Question 36, Part 1 of Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 36 of the Manifestation of the Newly Born Christ in Eight Articles. Part 1. Articles 1 through 4. We must now consider the Manifestation of the Newly Born Christ, concerning which there are eight points of inquiry. First, whether Christ's birth should have been made known to all. Second, whether it should have been made known to some. Third, to whom should it have been made known. Fourth, whether he should have made himself known, or should he rather have been manifested by others. Fifth, by what other means should it have been made known. Sixth, of the order of these manifestations. Seventh, of the star by means of which his birth was made known. Eighth, of the adoration of the Magi, who were informed of Christ's nativity by means of the star. First article, whether Christ's birth should have been made known to all. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ's birth should have been made known to all because fulfillment should correspond to promise. Now the promise of Christ's coming is thus expressed in Psalm 49, verse 3, God shall come manifestly, but he came by his birth in the flesh. Therefore it seems that his birth should have been made known to the whole world. Objection to further. It is written in First Timothy 1, 15, Christ came into this world to save sinners. But this is not effected, save in as far as the grace of Christ is made known to them, according to Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. The grace of God our Savior hath appeared to all men, instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live soberly and justly and godly in this world. Therefore, it seems that Christ's birth should have been made known to all. Objection 3 further. God is most especially inclined to mercy. According to Psalm 144, verse 9, His tender mercies are over all his works. But in his second coming, when he will judge justices, according to Psalm 70, verse 3, he will come before the eyes of all according to Matthew twenty four twenty seven, As lightning cometh out of the east, and appeareth even into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Much more, therefore, should his first coming, when he was born into the world according to the flesh, have been made known to all. On the contrary, it is written in Isaiah forty five fifteen, Thou art a hidden God of Israel, the Saviour. And again, in Isaiah 43, verse 3, His look was, as it were, hidden 
and despised. I answer that. It was unfitting that Christ's birth should be made known to all men without distinction. First, because this would have been a hindrance to the redemption of man, which was accomplished by means of the cross. For, as it is written in 1 Corinthians 2.8, If they had known it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Secondly, because this would have lessened the merit of faith, which he came to offer men as the way to righteousness, according to Romans 3.22, the justice of God by faith of Jesus Christ. For if, when Christ was born, his birth had been made known to all by evident signs, the very nature of faith would have been destroyed, since it is the evidence of things that appear not, as stated in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Thirdly, because thus the reality of his human nature would have come into doubt, whence Augustine says in his letter to Volusianus, if he had not passed through the different stages of age from babyhood to youth, had neither eaten nor slept, would he not have strengthened an erroneous opinion and made it impossible for us to believe that he had become true man? And while he is doing all things wondrously, would he have taken away that which he accomplished in mercy? Reply to Objection 1 According to the gloss, the words quoted must be understood of Christ's coming as judge. Reply to Objection 2 All men were to be instructed unto salvation concerning the grace of God our Savior, not at the very time of his birth, but afterwards, in due time, after he had wrought salvation in the midst of the earth, as stated in Psalm 73, verse 12. Wherefore, after his passion and resurrection, he said to his disciples, in Matthew 28, verse 19, Going, teach ye all the nations. Reply to Objection 3. For judgment to be passed, the authority of the judge needs to be known, and for this reason it behooves that the coming of Christ unto judgment should be manifest. But his first coming was unto the salvation of all, which is by faith that is of things not seen. And therefore it was fitting that his first coming should be hidden. Second Article Whether Christ's Birth Should Have Been Made Known to Some Objection 1. It would seem that Christ's birth should not have been made known to anyone. For as stated above in Article 1, Third Reply, it befitted the salvation of mankind that Christ's first coming should be hidden. But Christ came to save all, according to 1 Timothy 4.10, who is the Savior of all men, especially of the faithful. Therefore, Christ's birth should not have been made known to anyone. Objection to further. Before Christ was born, his future birth was made known to the Blessed Virgin and Joseph. Therefore, it was not necessary that it should be made known to others after his birth. Objection 3 further. No wise man makes known that from which arise disturbance and harm to others. But when Christ's birth was made known, disturbance arose, for it is written in Matthew 2.3 that 
King Herod, hearing of Christ's birth, was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Moreover, this brought harm to others, because it was the occasion of Herod's killing all the male children that were in Bethlehem from two years old and under. Therefore, it seems unfitting for Christ's birth to have been made known to anyone. On the contrary, Christ's birth would have been profitable to none if it had been hidden from all. But it behooved Christ's birth to be profitable, else he were born in vain. Therefore it seems that Christ's birth should have been made known to some. I answer that, as the Apostle says in Romans 13.1, What is of God is well-ordered. Now it belongs to the order of divine wisdom that God's gifts and the secrets of his wisdom are not bestowed on all equally, but to some immediately, through whom they are made known to others. Wherefore, with regard to the mystery of the resurrection, it is written, in Acts 10, verses 40 and 41, God gave Christ rising again to be manifest, not to all the people, but to witnesses preordained by God. Consequently, that his birth might be consistent with this, it should have been made known not to all, but to some, through whom it could be made known to others. Reply to Objection 1. As it would have been prejudicial to the salvation of mankind if God's birth had been made known to all men, so also would it have been if none had been informed of it. Because in either case faith is destroyed, whether a thing be perfectly manifest or whether it be entirely unknown, so that no one can hear it from another. For faith cometh by hearing, according to Romans 10.17. Reply to Objection 2. Mary and Joseph needed to be instructed concerning Christ's birth before he was born, because it devolved on them to show reverence to the child conceived in the womb and to serve him even before he was born. But their testimony, being of a domestic character, would have aroused suspicion in regard to Christ's greatness, and so it behooved it to be made known to others whose testimony could not be suspect. Reply to Objection 3. The very disturbance that arose when it was known that Christ was born was becoming to his birth. First, because thus the heavenly dignity of Christ is made manifest, wherefore Gregory says in a homily on this gospel, After the birth of the King of Heaven, the earthly king is troubled, doubtless because earthly grandeur is covered with confusion when the heavenly majesty is revealed. Secondly, thereby the judicial power of Christ was foreshadowed. Thus Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, What will he be like in the judgment seat, since from his cradle he struck terror into the heart of a proud king? Thirdly, because thus the overflow of the devil's kingdom was foreshadowed. For as Pope Leo says in a sermon on the Epiphany, Herod was not so much troubled in himself as the devil in Herod, for Herod thought him to be a man, but the devil thought him to be God. Each feared a successor to his kingdom, the devil a heavenly successor, Herod 
an earthly successor. But their fear was needless, since Christ had not come to set up an earthly kingdom, as Pope Leo says, addressing himself to Herod, Thy palace cannot hold Christ, nor is the Lord of the world content with the paltry power of thy scepter. That the Jews were troubled who, on the contrary, should have rejoiced, was either because, as Chrysostom says, wicked men could not rejoice at the coming of the Holy One, or because they wished to court favor with Herod, whom they feared, for the populace is inclined to favor too much those whose cruelty it endures. And that the children were slain by Herod was not harmful to them but profitable, for Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, it cannot be questioned that Christ, who came to set man free, rewarded those who were slain for him, since while hanging on the cross he prayed for those who were putting him to death. Third article. Whether those to whom Christ's birth was made known were suitably chosen. Objection 1. It would seem that those to whom Christ's birth was made known were not suitably chosen. For our Lord, in Matthew 10, verse 5, commanded his disciples, Go ye not into the way of the Gentiles, so that he might be made known to the Jews before the Gentiles. Therefore it seems that much less should Christ's birth have been at once revealed to the Gentiles who came from the east, as stated in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Objection to further. The revelation of divine truth should be made especially to the friends of God, according to Job 37. He sheweth his friend concerning it. But the Magi seem to be God's foes, for it is written in Leviticus 19, verse 31, Go not aside after wizards, Magi, neither ask anything of soothsayers. Therefore, Christ's birth should not have been made known to the Magi. Objection 3 further. Christ came in order to set free the whole world from the power of the devil, whence it is written in Malachi 1, verse 11, from the rising of the sun even to the going down, my name is great among the Gentiles. Therefore, he should have been made known not only to those who dwelt in the east, but also to some from all parts of the world. Objection for further. All the sacraments of the old law were figures of Christ, but the sacraments of the old law were dispensed through the mystery of the legal priesthood. Therefore it seems that Christ's birth should have been made known rather to the priests in the temple than to the shepherds in the fields. Objection 5 further. Christ was born of a virgin mother, and was as yet a little child. It was therefore more suitable that he should be made known to youths and virgins than to old and married people or to widows, such as Simeon and Anna. On the contrary, it is written in John 13:18, I know whom I have chosen. But what is done by God's wisdom is done becomingly. Therefore, those to whom Christ's birth was made known were suitably chosen. I answer that salvation, 
which was to be accomplished by Christ, concerns all sorts and conditions of men, because, as it is written in Colossians 3, verse 11, in Christ, there is neither male nor female, neither Gentile nor Jew, bond nor free, and so forth. Galatians 3.28 And in order that this might be foreshadowed in Christ's birth, he was made known to men of all conditions. Because, as Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, the shepherds were Israelites, the Magi were Gentiles, the former were nigh to him, the latter far from him. Both hastened to him together as to the cornerstone. There was also another point of contrast. For the Magi were wise and powerful, the shepherds simple and lowly. He was also made known to the righteous as Simeon and Anna, and to sinners as the Magi. He was made known both to men and to women, namely to Anna, so as to show no condition of men to be excluded from Christ's redemption. Reply to Objection 1 That manifestation of Christ's birth was a kind of foretaste of the full manifestation which was to come. And as in the later manifestation, the first announcement of the grace of Christ was made by him and his apostles to the Jews and afterwards to the Gentiles, so the first to come to Christ were the shepherds, who were the firstfruits of the Jews, as being near to him. And afterwards came the Magi from afar, who were the firstfruits of the Gentiles, as Augustine says in a homily. Reply to Objection 2 as Augustine says in a sermon on the Epiphany, as unskillfulness predominates in the rustic manners of the shepherd, so ungodliness abounds in the profane rites of the Magi. Yet did this cornerstone draw both to itself, inasmuch as he came to choose the foolish things that he might confound the wise, and not to call the just, but sinners, so that the proud might not boast nor the weak despair. Nevertheless, there are those who say that these magi were not wizards, but wise astronomers, who are called magi among the Persians or Chaldeans. Reply to Objection 3 As Chrysostom says, The magi came from the east because the first beginning of faith came from the land where the day is born, since faith is the light of the soul. Or, because all who come to Christ come from him and through him. Whence it is written in Zechariah 6.12, Behold a man, the Orient is his name. Now they are said to come from the East literally, either because, as some say, they came from the farthest parts of the East, or because they came from the neighboring parts of Judea that lie to the east of the region inhabited by the Jews. Yet it is to be believed that certain signs of Christ's birth appeared also in other parts of the world. Thus, at Rome the river flowed with oil, and in Spain three suns were seen, which gradually merged into one, as Eusebius states in his Chronicles. Reply to Objection 4 As Chrysostom observes, the angel who announced Christ's birth did not go to Jerusalem, nor did he seek the scribes and Pharisees, for they were corrupted and full of ill-will. 
but the shepherds were single-minded and were like the patriarchs and Moses in their mode of life. Moreover, these shepherds were types of the doctors of the church to whom are revealed the mysteries of Christ that were hidden from the Jews. Reply to Objection 5 As Ambrose says on Luke 2.25, it was right that our Lord's birth should be attested not only by the shepherds, but also by people advanced in age and virtue, whose testimony is rendered the more credible by reason of their righteousness. Fourth article. Whether Christ himself should have made his birth known. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ should have himself made his birth known. For a direct cause is always of greater power than an indirect cause, as is stated in Physics 8. But Christ made his birth known through others, for instance, to the shepherds through the angels and to the magi through the star. Much more, therefore, should he himself have made his birth known. Objection to further. It is written in Ecclesiasticus 20, verse 32, Wisdom that is hid, and treasure that is not seen, what profit is there in them both? But Christ had, to perfection, the treasure of wisdom and grace from the beginning of his conception. Therefore, unless he had made the fullness of these gifts known by words and deeds, wisdom and grace would have been given to him to no purpose. But this is unreasonable, because God and nature do nothing without a purpose, as is stated in On the Heavens 1. Objection 3 further. We read in the book De Infancia Salvatoris that in his infancy Christ worked many miracles. It seems, therefore, that he did himself make his birth known. On the contrary, Pope Leo says in a sermon that the Magi found the infant Jesus in no way different from the generality of human infants. But other infants do not make themselves known. Therefore, it was not fitting that Christ should himself make his birth known. I answer that, Christ's birth was ordered unto man's salvation, which is by faith. But saving faith confesses Christ's Godhead and humanity. It behooved, therefore, Christ's birth to be made known in such a way that the proof of his Godhead should not be prejudicial to faith in his human nature. But this took place while Christ presented a likeness of human weakness, and yet, by means of God's creatures, he showed the power of the Godhead in himself. Therefore Christ made his birth known, not by himself, but by means of certain other creatures. Reply to Objection 1 By the way of generation and movement, we must of necessity come to the imperfect before the perfect. And therefore Christ was made known first through other creatures, and afterwards he himself manifested himself perfectly. Reply to Objection 2 Although hidden wisdom is useless, there is no need for a wise man to make himself known at all times, but at a suitable time. For it is written in Ecclesiasticus 20, verse 6, There is one that holdeth his peace, because he knoweth not what to say, 
and there is another that holdeth his peace, knowing the proper time. Hence the wisdom given to Christ was not useless, because at a suitable time he manifested himself, and the very fact that he was hidden at a suitable time is a sign of wisdom. Reply to Objection 3 The book, De Infancia Salvatoris, is apocryphal. Moreover, Chrysostom says that Christ worked no miracles before changing the water into wine, according to John 2.11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus. For if he had worked miracles at an early age, there would have been no need for anyone else to manifest him to the Israelites. Whereas John the Baptist says that he may be made manifest in Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. Moreover, it was fitting that he should not begin to work miracles at an early age, for people would have thought the incarnation to be unreal, and, out of sheer spite, would have crucified him before the proper time. End of question 36. Part 1. Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.